Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. And that is that. After, what, a year and a half of absolute craziness, we have just seen, hopefully, keep everything crossed, the last pandemic-era pay-per-view in WWE. And I think it's only right that we take a moment and we bow our heads and we remember the memories, lest we forget. Of course we're not going to do that. Do you remember what this was like back in March 2020? It was like watching wrestling in a funeral home. I never want to come back here again. And damn it, I would rather take all this stuff out of my brain and flush it down the toilet. But don't do that, because plumbers do not recommend it. But my name is Simon Miller, where to want culture wrestling. And yes, hell in the cell is in the books. And boy, howdy, do we have a lot of fun things to talk about. Namely the fact that WWE, as I've been saying for over two years, is officially obsessed with the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roller. But take your own fingers and powers and let's up those downs for Hell in a Cell 2021. As we have learned over the years, and we do have the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view, WWE will usually have two Hell in the Cells, and one will open the show, and one will close the show, and it was Bianca Belair and Bailey fitting into this model, and I tell you, as predicted, why the build has just been... <laughs> the match kicked ass. Belair out-wrestled Bailey in the early going before Bailey went, wait a minute, I'm inside a stupid structure, I can just go on the outside and get a chair and start swinging it, and when she did, <laughs> Bianca went for the most devastating move in all the sports entertainment surprise roll-up. And just the smallest part of me, the bad part, the evil part, was like, please let that be the end, especially what happened at the end of the night. I would have laughed forever. Bailey kicked out. I think Bianca then used her hair as a shield at one point. And while that was awesome in the moment, it also gave Bailey this tremendous idea. Bailey went as far as to tie Bianca's hair around the ropes, which would have been a great plan if Bales had been a little bit more assertive, because by the time she was running at the champion, Bianca got out of the way, and Bailey went careening into the steps. I was like, Bailey, come on, for goodness sake. Pretty sure she then bit Bianca. I don't know why I said pretty sure. She absolutely did. And then she went back to her 2020 Hell in a Cell playbook. She was getting kendo sticks and taping them together, but that also didn't work. Bianca basically got him and talked her in the head. The spin, I suppose, is that Belair then finally started to use her hair against Bailey because she tied it to Bales' arms before she then started getting whatever weapon she could, and she too started smashing Bailey right in the skull. 
So look, this was a proper Hell in a Cell match and these two pulled it out good. Bailey was begging to be let out of the door at one point so Bianca just booted her into it instead and then a ladder just emerged from underneath the ring because under the ring in the world of WWE is essentially Mary Poppins' handbag. Somehow throughout all of this as well, Bailey did indeed hit the rose plant onto the ladder but because of her injured knee, she wasn't able to get the one, two, three and then Bianca Belair went to the top rope. She was gonna hit some kind of flippy dinky stuff but instead landed on her feet and then grabbed Bailey and gave her the KOD onto this ladder. That was it. One, two, three. Round of applause all round. I'll have to think about this as I go. But I think this may have been the highlight of the night from start to finish without any stupid shenanigans. It was a really good finish though. It was a really good match. And Bailey is just such a good wrestler. And Bianca Belair is a tremendous athlete. I mean, they need to go on their separate directions now. But if you want to bring them back together again in the future... I'll be fine with it. Afterwards, Bianca promised that she was never going to let Bailey forgive this, which sounds like a terrible idea. You're going to be keeping yourself up at nights going, oh, I can't let go of the rage. You need to move on. But yeah, great start all round. So Bobby Lashley and MVP and all of those women just going, man, we're going to win tonight. It's going to be a great time. When we cut to Alexa Bliss, who told us to expect the unexpected. I was like, nah, brah, I'm expecting nonsense. And that's exactly what I got. That was later, though, because as for now, we were getting Seth Rollins versus Cesaro, who I'm pretty sure are incapable of having a bad match. Up. Now, yes, this may not have been quite as good as their WrestleMania match, but see above. As soon as they do start grappling, I just enter super happy wrestling fun time 9000. I mean, it did suffer a little bit because I just had this feeling deep down in my bones that Seth was going to win here because, of course, Cesaro had won at WrestleMania and WWE does just love 50-50 booking. But after Rollins jumped Cesaro during his entrance, I thought, oh my gosh, maybe we are going to go do something different. I mean, we didn't, but still. If you want to watch some good wrestling, you go and watch this. Seth turned it around after a thumb to the eye when he started working over the Swiss Superman's midsection because that's what he had injured before. And essentially, this then turned into Seth will do a bunch of knees and as and when he needs to, Cesaro would explode with a bunch of uppercuts. I was very sports entertained. I mean, Cesaro these days is essentially like watching the offspring of Sagat. But at one stage, he did get Seth Rollins' glove and he sticked it in Seth Rollins' mouth. A bit like, oh, that seems very unhygienic. We don't know where it's been. It also triggered a bunch of reversals and transitions, and then you do this move and I'll do that move. And it honestly like was watching Tetris when you get six lines and you send them to your opponent to win. And it also tied into the ending because Cesaro was just doing submission sharpshooter, submission crossface. But within all that, Seth Rollins was panicking like, oh, I don't know what to do. So we tried to hit the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. They just kept going back and forth though until Seth was able to trick him, I suppose, one time too many. He got his shoulders down. He stole the one, two, three. Then he ran off all injured like, yeah, I've done it, I've done it. While Cesaro looked stunned. Now, as far as the surprise roll-up goes, this was actually a good one. It felt like the bad guy pulling out one last dip to tempt and somehow getting it. Whereas the good guy was like, well, that didn't seem very fair. I was definitely on top. The thing is, it just should have been the only one we saw on the pay-per-view. But as already mentioned, WWE is obsessed with them. We will get there. But it's not these two guys' fault. Here is where you should have dropped it. Talking of weird finishes too, it was then time for Shayna Baszler versus Alexa Bliss. And 
I mean, what else were we really expecting? Now, fair play to WWE because they did keep this short. And I actually prefer the whole Alexa Bliss hocus pocus stuff when she is allowed to wrestle. And who would have known that was a thing? When you're backstage going, hey, I have powers, it's not all that. But when you give me wrestling on a wrestling show, I kind of go, okay, I'll see what's going to happen. Basil also smacked Reginald beforehand because Nia Jax told Reg to give her a kiss in the hand for good luck, which is a really stupid move. And of course, within, honestly, about 3.2 seconds, Reginald was trying to cause the distraction. And that has got to be some kind of a record. He was also doing this because he didn't want Alexa Bliss to hypnotize him. And I don't think that's how it works. It was successful to a certain degree because Shayna then started to beat up Alexa Bliss. But no matter what Baszler did to her, Alexa Bliss just went, ha ha ha, you think that hurts me, you absolute buffoon. And this did irk me a little bit because it's Shayna Baszler, I know, so boring. But one of the most legit people in the company, I don't want to see her offense reduced to gummy bears. This did get worse though, because eventually Baszler did stare into Alexa Bliss's eyes. And because of that, she got hypnotized and did indeed release the submission hold she was going for. And it just looks so silly. It kind of looked like two kids doing a play at Christmas. It goes over my bald head. Alexa then did this again when she clocked eyes with Nia Jax. And are you kidding me? Do you know what she used her powers for? To get Nia's hand and slap Reginald right round the face. If you have magic, why the hell are you stopping there? Why don't you turn one of them into a frog? Why don't you turn up a raw and go zzz, and all of a sudden become every single champion there is? But no, you go, oh my gosh, I can't believe all these things bestowed upon me. Wouldn't it be funny if I got that person to slap somebody else? Pathetic. For some reason that made Alexa and Nia Jax just scream at each other. I'm not gonna lie to you, that was a little bit awkward. And then back in the ring, Shayna was gonna go for the Kirafuda clutch, but I don't know what Alexa did. She used more voodoo, and the long and the short of it is that she hit the Twisted Bliss, and she won. I have absolutely no idea what we're gonna do next. I mean, maybe we have a Freaky Friday storyline when Alexa makes Reggie thinks he's Nia Jax, and Nia Jax thinks she's Reginald. I mean, it could be that. Maybe she goes after the championship, but this really doesn't work for me, and it just feels unrealistic. And I get it is unrealistic, but it's missing something, so down. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, however, then did what they always do. And I know we had that stipulation in WWE years ago that these two were never going to fight again. But firstly, WWE has let us down on so many stipulations, you just don't believe anymore. But also, two, I am part of this problem. Because if you said, Simon, would you like to watch Kevin Sam fight till the end of time? I would probably say yes. We had some story here too, because Kevin Owens was still selling his throat after he was Nigeria nailed on SmackDown. And because Sami Zayn is a massive dick, he was like, well, I'm going to use that. And very early on, he dropped Kevin's neck right into the bottom rope. And you could see it in Kevin's eyes. He was not a happy chap. Sami also basically finished off one of Owens' arms. So now he had no neck and he had no limbs to the point when he went for a swanton bomb, he was just too slow. And Sami Zayn got out of the way. And Sami Zayn was actually quite aggressive here. When do you ever see that? Usually he'd get his ass kicked. There was then a great near fall after the Blue Thunderbomb. And when Kevin Owens went for the stunner, he couldn't do it. And yet somehow they then brought to the outside and he was able to hit one. And then Sami Zayn made it back in, I tell you. 9.9999. And if we had had a count out on this show, well, I would have to have taken my head and just smashed it into a wall. This was meant to make you think that it was going to go Kevin Owens' way as well. But amazingly, it didn't. Because Sami Zayn went back to the whole rope, neck, throat thingamajig, he then hit the halluva kick, and I watched the referee like this, because he went one, he went two, and then he went three. <laughs> Sami Zayn won a match on pay-per-view. And at that moment, I said, I don't care what else happens. This is like a relevation. 
I was pleased. So we went nuts afterwards, and I suppose that means the feud must continue. So once again, see above. I know part of the problem, but I do want to see it again. I then, however, felt so sorry for Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley because who can explain this? It also feels a bit mean to go through the whole match and then just get to a finish that is one of the most nuts that WWE has done in ages. I mean, go out there and try and explain this to anybody else. They will laugh at you, and then you have to end up in a hell in a cell against Bailey because that's just the wrestling rules. The major issue here, though, is that WWE will introduce rules and try and establish a foundation, but then they will go back on them as soon as it suits them better. And that's frustrating because it means you don't have any law. Like, when you watch Lord of the Rings, you go, oh my gosh, I understand why there's an elf here, because elves exist. But if all of a sudden one of the sequels or one of the other movies, a bunch of aliens came down with laser beams and they wiped out the elf population, you'd be like, wait a minute, wait a minute, where did the aliens come from? That doesn't fit into what I've been told. And that ties in here because the finish of this Raw women's title match is that Rhea and Charlotte were brawling on the outside and like Rhea got the top of the announce table and kind of thrust it in Charlotte's direction and because it hit her, the referee went, well, no, I'm not standing for that and it ended with a disqualification. And I was like, what, how is that a thing? How many times have I seen someone been thrown through the announce table? And the official goes, well, I don't really think we should end it there. I mean, the table didn't do anything and you just stood on it and you fell through it. So we're gonna carry on. But now just the roof of the thing, oh, well, we can't do anything with that, over. We also just confused the rear character even more afterwards because she was on the rampway basically going, oh, I just did what you would have done. I meant to do it, it was intentional. So I meant to think that Rhea Ripley is the bad guy and Charlotte Flair is the good guy. To be honest, I have no idea. It just feels like a couple of guys fighting. It's just so weak though, because once again, it's WWE wanting to put two people in a ring, but they don't actually want anybody to lose. And if that is the case, just don't do it. But bring it down, there it is, the disqualification board. Yes, it rolls up to 37, which probably means by the end of 2021, we are going to be over 80, which for my money is well too much. And do not get me wrong either, this was a great match halfway through. I was like, oh man, I'm so invested here. Charlotte Flair was doing these random kicks that weren't even attacking Rhea, but I presume she's going with the whole Lisa Simpson, Bart Simpson method, where you just throw things and walk forward and hopefully that you hit someone. But the ending and the finish was so disappointing, it just broke everything for me into doubt. And you can kind of, to a certain extent, copy and paste that for the main event. But let me explain. The difference here is that Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre for the WWE title had to somehow pull out their ass a third Hell in a Cell match in as many days, and that was always going to be really hard because it's the law of diminishing returns. However, they were absolutely brilliant here, I thought. They gave everything their all. If you just want a visual example of this, just go look at Drew McIntyre on social media and his poor, poor back that looks like some kind of map. And that's why it's getting it up. We had stairs, chairs, kendo sticks, the steel steps, and even MVP's cane was getting involved, including at one point when MVP, who was outside the Hell in a Cell, kind of stuck it through one of the holes and that trapped Drew McIntyre. Bobby Lashley just started to beat him up. This went on for a good 20 minutes too, and I implore you to go and watch it because it is so damn violent. When the shenanigans came in the sense that Drew McIntyre got poked in the eye, he started swinging a steel chair and accidentally took out the referee. But also, you know what? Fair play to WWE. They don't overdo the ref bumps. I mean, we don't even have a counter for it. So I was like, okay, you want to do it here, do it here. It also meant that when McIntyre hit the Future Shock DDT and had the match won, there was no referees. He was like, oh man, open the door because there was another ref on the outside. 
And that's when more nonsense got into the ring. Because just as McIntyre had the match won again, MVP was like, well, the door is open. I'm going to get in there. And he pulled the official out, which means Drew McIntyre should be the WWE champion and keep that in your mind. But it also allowed Drew to absolutely pulverize MVP. And at some point in this feud, he was going to have to get his comeuppance. Here it was. And I know the Hell in a Cell concept gets watered down every single year because the whole point is meant to keep people out. So what the hell do you want me to do about it? I don't even know. And there was another cool bit where Bobby Lashley actually applied the Hurt Lock. So Drew McIntyre just turned him in the direction of a table and he smashed him through it. It's a good way to get out of it. They then both hit every single thing they had in their arsenal. And just when Drew was going to hit the Claymore kick, he was distracted when MVP grabbed his leg. And then if you can believe it, he turned around to shake him off like a cartoon character. Bobby Lashley zoomed in and hit him with the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up, and retained his championship on a pay-per-view with that very surprise roll-up. And now look, can you do this? Of course you can do it. But WWE over relies on it so much that when you do do it on a pay-per-view, all of a sudden this big bad, oh my gosh, Hell in a Cell pay-per-view match in the main event just feels like some random nonsense on Raw. Plus, we'd already seen the finish earlier, so why are we doing it twice? But you are not allowed to knock on my door. Don't you come around my house and try and tell me there's a more devastating move in the world wrestling entertainment, because there is not. This must beat 98% of the people, and it's baffling why anybody else is trying to come up with any other moves. Just use this. I mean, I have been documenting it, as already said, for over two years, and yeah, it really made this whole thing very anticlimactic. That's why it's got to get it down. Lashley and MVP celebrated because, of course, now Drew McIntyre is out the title picture as long as they hold the gold. That was quite a downer to end the pandemic era because we kind of finished with Drew McIntyre sat there like, well, that wasn't what I expected. And it kind of looked like he had a tear in his eye. This was a really good match, though, but it just had such a joke of an ending and WWE needs to stop doing the disqualifications, they need to stop doing the distractions, they need to stop doing the count outs and they absolutely need to stop doing the most devastating move in all sports entertainment. Also bringing down the distraction board, this absolutely count, it rolls up to 70. So if you want to make a qualified guess or an educated guess, yes, we'll probably have around about 140 of these <laughs> when we get to the end of the year. I totally think that proves my point. And once again, we say the same things when it comes to the overall quality of the pay-per-view because it had a bunch of good matches, but just a bunch of stupid finishes. But look, by the end of it, I did have a good time and therefore it's going to get an up. But honestly, give me some clean wins, please. I am desperate. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.